You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello, pod people. Welcome to episode four of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and the aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this competitive business of rock and roll. I am your host, coffee drinker, proud cat owner, band manager by day, and right hand to the Prince of Darkness by night, Mr. Blasco. I am joined by my good buddy, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, artist manager, and suburban lifestyle blogger, Mr. Mike Mowry. Oh yeah, baby. Nice to uh, be back in the saddle with you today. I'm liking your intros and what you come up with here and like that little last tag. The suburban lifestyle blogger is a good one. Thank you very much. (laughs) In today's episode, we get into band merchandising. Inspired by an email from a listener and an article written by Rob Dix for musicthinktank.com. I'm looking forward to digging into this one as it's a, a fun topic. So, let's get mental. Hello there, Mr. Mike. What is new in your world, my friend? All is well here. It's a beautiful sunny day in the suburban enclave of Silver Spring, Maryland. I am working from the house still as the newborn is continuing to grow and um, spending a lot of time with him. Today we're going to tackle one of my favorite topics and I'm really feeling fresh and great. I prepared for today's conversation when I was sitting in the sauna this morning and I don't know if you ever get into a sauna but I love how I feel after a good sweat. So let's get into it and just before we start I want to remind everyone that the Managemental Podcast is part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. If you're interested in other podcasts that are music-based, head over to jabberjawmedia.com to check out some of the other great shows in the network. One of them that I've really been enjoying is called Peer Pleasure Podcast, hosted by my buddy Dewey, and he's got his podcast featured on Adobe Radio as well. So if you get the chance, head on over, check it out, and give our podcast a rating and review on iTunes. So let's get into it. How was Nam for you? It was good. You know, that was my highlight of the week or weekend since last we chatted. And, uh, you know, NAM for all those that don't know, is like a music gear expo, for lack of a better, for lack of a better explanation. And, um, and uh, you know, it's a good... It's a good meetup, you know. A lot of people uh, tend to come out, and anyway, so they so there's the expo during the day, and there's shows at nighttime. And I have a little side project thing called Zach Sabbath with uh, Zach Wild, and we do all Sabbath covers. Obviously, we've played the Schecter guitar slash Monster Energy party on the Saturday night the last two years, and um, and this year we had uh, Kings X 
and King both playing with us. And uh, it was a good time, man. There was like 3,000 people there and it was open bar and, you know, complete madness ensued, as you can possibly imagine. Yeah, that's incredible. You had some really amazing photos that posted from the weekend, you know, just from playing. And it was pretty funny. Between the inauguration of uh, Don T and Nam, I think all of our social feeds were, were filled with that, the women's marches that took place all over the country, and uh, what went down at Nam. And side plug here for those of you at home, I have a second podcast that I do regarding Outer Loop Management and Records, and one of our guys, Nikhil, who goes to Nam, I think I've sent him there the past eight years, we interviewed him last week. And I got some really good feedback, so I will link that in the show notes, and if you get a chance, go check it out. That'll give you guys a little bit of a taste of what NAM is all about. So, hey, Mike, we received our first listener email from a guy named Chris Crow, and uh, you can find him on Instagram. He's at Chris Crow Art. That's uh, Chris, K-R-O-A-R-T, and he specifically requested... Quote, I would love to hear about the importance of band merchandise, end quote. Well, as you know, this is a pretty massive topic. So I tracked down an article on Music Think Tank written by Rob Dix called Band Merch 101 to help guide us through this week's episode. As uh, usual, we will link the article in the show notes for all those interested in checking it out. So, Mike, let me ask you. Why get band merch made? Well, I'll tell you. Music merchandise has always been important to bands, both as a source of revenue and to help raise awareness of your brand. Fans love buying merch, too. The music we like is closely tied in with our identity, and wearing a band's T-shirt is a way of showing off that identity to others. Now, merch is more important than ever as a way of making money. For many independent artists, the music itself is almost a loss leader, given a way to promote live shows and merchandise. Absolutely. I think one of my artists said it best some time ago when they said, we're a t-shirt company that makes music. And it's pretty incredible to me, you know, and I'm curious because in the genres that you and I typically deal with, merchandise is such an important part of a band's overall revenue stream. And I was curious on your end, how much of your time and energy and effort do you spend with your artists really thinking about it? Or do you leave that to the artists themselves or potentially a merchandise company to focus on the majority of that stuff? Yeah, you know, it's 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 really a case by case basis. Some bands are more involved with the uh, you know design and and presentation aspect of it. Uh, you know, like for instance, like Zach, like he's hands on with all of the designs, and then he just turns those in to the uh, merch company. Whereas on the other hand, Blackville is involved, but the merch company does the bulk of the designing with our direction right so that they send us like 10 designs and we pick like five or six that we like the best and modify a few others and throw a few in the garbage right so you know from my perspective it's kind of a case-by-case basis 
I would say the same on my end as well. And, you know, one of the things, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it's really just an extension of the band's brand. And that's one of the things that I know I focus on and I'm sure you focus on as well is, you know, just like any other brand, you know, we're representing these quote unquote brands that, yes, music is, you know, music and art is the at the core and foundation of what they do. But, you know, if you're going to use your t-shirts and any of your logos and likeness as an advertisement, it's something that does need to have quite a bit of attention and, and, and focus put on it. For sure. So what should you sell? Merchandise ranges from the t-shirt to the rather more imaginative items. Uh, but how do you know what kind of things your fans want to buy? Well, ask them. If you've got a mailing list and or social media following, create a poll asking them what kind of merch they'd want to buy. You can offer a free item of merch to one respondent picked at random as an incentive to reply. And also you can uh, check out other bands similar to you as, as to what they sell. What, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. I love this part. And I love the fact that, you know, we can use the tools that are available to us, the social polls, or even just, you know, I've had plenty of artists that they're at a standstill within the band. Two of the people like one design, two like the other, or, you know, one guy in the band who, who is really focused on the merch can't decide which shirt that he wants to roll with as the last item in a spread for a tour or whatever. And I say, look, let's just take it to the people because that's one of the things that I think artists for get a lot. I do respect the fact that, again, it's an extension of your brand. So if you're an artist, somebody tells you to create a unicorn riding a skateboard, eating an ice cream cone, and that doesn't fit with like your core aesthetic that you're trying to convey, then maybe that's not the best thing to do. But I've had that exact thing presented to an artist we never thought it would work. They printed it up on t-shirts. Of course, this is a few years ago when the neon craze was all going on and it sold like hotcakes. And so that's the thing that I think artists need to really think about is what do their fans want? Not so much what would I wear as a member of the band. You're going to get up on stage and wear what you think is representative you know, of your role within a band. It's what do your fans want to buy? Once you get clued in on that, using some of these tools... I think you're usually in a much better position to, to start selling items in mass. Yeah. I mean, because we have the ability to engage and ask and pull fans, I mean, you got to do that. For instance, with like wild audio with Zach's guitar company, we do polls and we send out in the mailing list and, and I'll have three new guitar models that are like prototypes and I'll ask them, which one do you like the best? Which one is the one that you resonate with the most? And we've done this multiple times. And the one that they pick is the one that we go with to go into production. And they always sell out right away. So it's definitely a great idea to be able to engage your fans on what types of merch and specifically even A, B and merch designs. Like, hey, we've got two designs. Which ones do you guys like more? Or, or ask them something along the lines of like, 
came up with this idea for merch. What do you guys think? You know, what do you guys want? Or, or we're going on tour. What types of things do you want to see on tour? And Twitter, you can do a poll. You know, I've done I've done that with Zach Sabbath. You know, I was like, what you know, what do you want to see? Do you want to see vinyl cassettes? And 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 I you know I wasn't I wasn't sure, but it you know, but cassettes actually ranked pretty low. And uh, so I guess it just you know people haven't even though people are making cassettes now. I guess that didn't really uh, resonate with them, so we didn't make any. <laughs> so you know yeah and i think you know his other point on check out what other bands similar to you are selling is great as well and it and it goes in you know not only that but you know what are the trends that are occurring within the genre within the business you and i have seen so many styles come and go as items of merchandise you know like i said years ago i it was everything was neon prior to that there was all kinds of crazy cartoony type of stuff more now than ever it seems like things are what i would call a little bit more in the black craft style of merchandise and so you've got to pay attention to those things and yeah you know look at what other bands that have good items are selling you know this isn't specific you know we could spend an entire other conversation on this but to me one of the things that i focus on with all of my artists is having a very identifiable symbol as part of your you know aesthetic and your logo and utilizing that just as you would if you were any other brand as something that you put on you know merchandise I think that's an important key thing to mention as well. For sure. Well, moving on to controlling the costs. Buttons and stickers, for example, are popular because they cost so little to make that you can give them away as well as selling them. By contrast, hoodies are so expensive that you could be seriously out of pocket if they're not as popular as you thought. So you have to consider things along the lines of minimums or minimum runs. All items will have a minimum quantity that you'll be allowed to order. This will be higher for some types of merch than others. And then there's the complexity of design. If you're screen printing items, you'll be charged a setup cost for each color in your design, meaning a complex design with, say, four colors will be much more expensive to produce than a simple uh, one-color print. Yeah, I mean, just like anything in any business, costs are going to be an important factor. And when you are starting out or you're a young band and aren't sure of what the demand is going to be, I always recommend that you start relatively conservatively. Even if you're paying a little bit higher of a price because you're just doing the minimum or you're limiting the number of colors, I think that's okay as you're trying to establish what your demand is going to be. And I think there is some validity to, to keeping things simple. Yeah, you might really want a 12-color design, and there are certain bands. Take a look at some of Converge's merchandise or any number of other bands that really have a cool art component to it and they can go in and do that but there's plenty of people if they really want to support your band especially as you're starting out they'll take a one color or two color well-designed shirt yeah agreed i mean out of the gate you know initially keep it simple make sure that your logo is super badass you know and make you make you know make your first shirt something simple if you can get away with a a one color print that maybe is just a logo or or a simple icon to associate with it just you know keep it simple keep costs down out of the gate and do the best that you can too to generate 
interest first, you know, post it on your socials. What do you guys think of this? Maybe put up a pre-order to kind of see what kind of, uh, what kind of traction you're going to get. Like maybe you're only going to get like two or three pre-orders and you're like, Oh, making a hundred of these is going to be pricey. But if you, if you can pre-order like, you know, 50 to a hundred, then you know that you're going to, you're going to move some, right? So one note there that's of interest. And we talked about how important social media and polling and, and getting the gauge of your fans can be a useful tool do not mistake likes on a design for the amount that people will purchase so if i put up a blue shirt versus a black shirt and you get you know twice as many likes on the black shirt that does indicate that the black shirt should be more popular if i put up only one shirt after that and say by a show of hands who wants this and i get 500 likes it doesn't mean you're going to get 500 sales i've learned that the hard way (laughs) so uh look not all of us are artists finding a designer if you don't already have a design you'll need to find someone to create your artwork for you if you don't have a friend who's skilled in photoshop or illustrator you can ask around other bands uh you know for a recommendation there are also forums where artists sell pre-made designs uh which you can customize add your logo etc or you can find someone whose style you like to design something for you you know now in the age of social media this has never been easier. If your designer is experienced in creating artwork for print rather than web, they'll be able to give you the files in the format your printer is going to need. So yeah, designers, what's your thoughts? Completely. I think first and foremost, I do think it's really important to try to identify certain designers. But the first thing to really think about is what is the aesthetic that you want, you know, for your band. And you talked about how important it is to have a badass logo. And I think knowing that kind of thing and spending time on that is incredibly important before even finding a designer. But there are, there's, you know, this again, this is what I love. There's plenty of forums out there. There's plenty of sites that are out there where you can find, you know, there's guys that sit around and they make cool designs all day long and they're looking for somebody to purchase them. And I've watched plenty of bands be able to pick up relatively cheap designs where when their logo is on it, it looks really cool and incredible. I will say that if you've got a friend or if somebody in the band has the ability to do design, you will end up saving a lot of money in the end. That is one thing where even, you know, if you're paying on the low end, probably 75 to a hundred bucks. And on the high end, you know, you and I have both seen designs anywhere from 300 to $500. When you start to add that up time over time, over time, and you can find a friend who's willing to do it on the cheap or barter with you or better yet, somebody in the band who's got the skills, I think you find yourself in a much better position. My best piece of advice when it comes to design, especially initially, is make sure that your your font is proprietary. Go to a designer and go, this is generally the kind of style we're looking for. We're this type of band. If you can maybe mash up these few things, but create something unique to yourself. Don't go to defont.com and download the most recently, you know, distressed old English logo and, or, or font and use that and think that that's cool because 10 other bands are going to use the same thing and you're going to see it and it's just not going to be unique. So make sure that you go to a guy, make a unique proprietary design for your band. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you and I will say this time and time again, you get what you pay for out there. And one of the key things for up and coming bands and even established bands is you have to be willing to invest in yourself and knowing where to spend your money, I think is something that you and I want to help aspiring artists cut through the clutter on and all of the stuff that we're talking about today with logos t-shirts you name it is such an important thing to spend a little bit of extra money find someone like you're saying create that unique design and you know his last point about you know you have to have a designer who's experienced in creating artwork who knows that there's a difference between a print file and a web file there's so many times that yeah, I know that the difference in DPI for web is about 72 and anything for print, I think you need it at 300 and you can't take something that's designed solely for the web and try to make it into a print file. You get something that's really blurry and doesn't work very well. So again, finding somebody that knows that stuff out of the gates will save you a lot of money and time in the end. All right. So now you've got a design, you want to get it made, finding a manufacturer again, the best way to find a good manufacturer is to ask another band where they got their stuff made. If that's not possible, Google is your friend. Find a few printers local to you and email them for a quote. Make sure you give them as much information possible about what you want so they can quote you accurately. For example, the t-shirts, uh, this would include A, the quantity you want, B, the colors of the t-shirts, C, the number of colors in your artwork and attach a low res sample if you can. And D, where you need them delivered to or if you're going to pick them up. Printers will often quote the per item price as well as the setup cost for the screens. So you might need to do some math to arrive at the total cost. Make sure you've accounted for delivery and any taxes as well. Yeah, and I think one more thing to ask in there is their turnaround time. So many artists, and listen, we work with bands and manage bands and know that there's deadlines coming up, and sometimes you're waiting on your designer to get things, and he turns it in a few days late, and then you get it to the printer, and it was a weekend when you emailed the file, and all of a sudden, you need the shirt in two days, and they're going to turn around and charge you a rush cost, so, so keep in mind that you need to be planning out a certain amount. Most people will probably want to use about a week to two weeks to turn things around. As you grow, there's a number of established merchandise companies who can do you know these jobs for you. And I think we'll probably throw some links to our favorites in the show notes. But if you're just starting out local, there's not necessarily a reason that you should be utilizing someone in New York State, for instance, if you're in Washington State. That's when the shipping costs start to get high and you're looking at you know longer times to ship so finding somebody local can be great there's plenty of people you can google there are plenty of great companies that exist in almost every city in america because they're printing all kinds of t-shirts for schools and sports teams you name it and they would be happy to come in and have a band with a cool design so they can brag and say hey this great band came in or even if it's not a great band this band came in and now we're doing business with them once again early on you gotta you gotta make things realistic in terms of prices and i and i can't you know recommend more than looking local because man a box of t-shirts is heavy 
and <laughs> it's expensive to ship stuff. And so if you can find local where you can just drive and pick the stuff up, that's going to be the way to go, you know, initially. So you've got your stuff now and now you need to sell it. So selling on the road, selling merch on the road is a great way to pay for your gas and help make ends meet if you're playing shows for a low guarantee. It's best to call ahead and make sure the venue has an area you can use to sell from. Most venues also insist on taking a commission, so check what the venue cut is when you are booking the show. You'll need to keep track of what you're selling so you can make sure you're not losing money and you know when you're getting low on stock and need to reorder. The easiest way is to have a pre-printed sheet which breaks down each item and size against which you can tally your sales for each show. After each show, you can count the cash against the sales and note down the quantity remaining for each size. That's if you aren't taking advantage of the free booze that the bartender and promoter are feeding you because you happen to play their club. They've got no guarantee for you, but they want to keep you happy. Um, This is incredibly important. What is hilarious is even with certain established acts, getting people to really keep track of this is such a challenge and i can't stress how important it actually is and not only from keeping it on a show to show week to week whatever basis you want to be able to keep this stuff so you can look back if you do a weekend of dates and you don't have any information about how much you sold what you potentially profited any of that information how are you going to know what to order the next time around And as you continue to grow and do more and more things, let's say you go out for a week or you go out for a full tour, you want to be able to use that as your baseline for what to do the next time you get any one of these opportunities. That's that's really my key advice there. Yeah, and uh, the big one, you got to pay attention to the COG, the cost of goods, right? Because it costs money to make shirts. So let's say you're let's say it costs you $100 to make your shirts. If you go and you have a weekend's worth of shows and you've only sold 50 bucks worth of shirts, you actually ha- you didn't make $50, you lost $50 because you have to pay back the $100 of cost of merchandise first, right? So think think of that. A lot of people lose sight in this and, you know, they go on tour and they and they, you know, they make 100 bucks and then they go split it up amongst themselves and they go, you know, and they go spend it and then they get home from tour and they spent all their merch dough but yet they never paid their merch bill, right? So make sure that you know what your cost of goods are going into the tour. We have X amount of thousands of dollars we need to pay off first before we're looking at any sort of profit from this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Very good point. And you know, what's challenging is when you're first starting out, whether you're unsigned or whether you're signed, so often that money, you know, that money that you sold that night it's hard to to keep the cost of goods separate because you got to put it back in the gas tank to go from point A to point B. So sometimes, you know, you're going to have to figure out how to dig into your pockets from the job that you're working to be able to pay that merch bill down. And one thing that that I find myself in a predicament 
every once in a while is you'll get an artist who's doing relatively well in merch or they've ordered you know a really great amount meaning they get down to the last day or two and they start to run out of some sizes and they're sort of frantically saying oh my god you know we need more shirts because we've got people coming up and asking for certain sizes that we don't have but inevitably it's better sometimes to run out of merch than be left with any stock for the exact reason that you're saying. Once you've sold through, yeah, you might have missed one, two, sometimes 10 sales, but at least you're not sitting on a whole bunch of stock that has cost of goods that you're not going to be able to offload until your next opportunity. So sometimes running out can actually be a blessing. Well, the last item here, but you know, a good way to, to supplement you know, your band is selling online. If you're attracting fans to your website or social media pages, it's uh, a missed opportunity if you're not offering them stuff to buy once they're there. Services like Big Cartel give you a free shop front where you can easily add your products and have fans pay by PayPal. You just need to keep track of stock levels and make sure one band member is in charge of packing and shipping the orders. Another potential solution is to use a POD or a print-on-demand solution, which prints merch on demand when your fans buy it and sends it directly to the fan. Once you've uploaded your designs, all you need to do is promote your store. The company does the rest and sends you whatever profit you've decided upon. That means you can offer items you might not be able to afford to print in bulk and never have to worry about shipping or going out of stock. Yeah, I mean, I think both of these are are great solutions. Obviously, after a band grows, there's certain merchandise companies that do these services for you. They'll host your your storefront, and they'll be the ones that ship and fulfill. But in its infancy, you really do have to have somebody that's on top of doing this stuff. And with young bands, I like to like to divvy up the tasks and make sure that one person maybe they're better with logistics or Maybe they're better with some of this stuff. They're the ones that are in charge of doing that packing, going to the post office once a week. And what you want to make sure is that you're not leaving your fans high and dry. There's nothing worse than capturing a sale from someone and then not shipping it to them for two or three weeks or even longer because you haven't paid attention, like you said, and you're out of stock of something. The print on demand is something that I think is really interesting. I'm not quite sure where they are in the overall quality of prints. I'm not sure how much experience you have with that, but it has seemed to me that you know certain companies really vary with the quality that they're able to you know to give. Some of them it's a little bit more like an iron-on. Some of them I think it's a little bit more you know like a like a laser jet printer. But I'm curious, what's your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're semi-established and can justify a big cartel store, that's a you know that's a really good option. You just have to have a responsible member of the band to deal with it, right? But if you're a brand new band starting out, print on demand is an interesting option. And if and if and you know to kind of break it down, it's like. It's like a one-stop shop where you go in there, you upload your designs, you you could put them on whatever shirts you want, and then you just promote the store. 
and they do all the work for you. Now, obviously, the balance in that is is that your percentage is considerably much smaller. But it's I suppose it's the balance of that uh, you're not re- you know you're not ready for minimum quantities of merchandise and and uh, you know and and shipping and dealing with all of that. So and there are good ones and they and they offer different ones. Like you said, it's like there's some are you know laser jet printers like a cafe press or that type of crap. But then there's higher quality ones that offer you the option to screen print. And even a lot of the the laser jet ones that I've done through, like say like Teespring or something, they're really good quality. I mean, I, I've got shirts that I you know make all the time. Like sometimes if I am wanting to try out something, I'll just do a print on demand. I'll just do a, I'll just do a couple of one offs, like as prototypes, if you will. Those come out great. You know, so, sometimes if they're a little skew or whatever, you just call the company up and just, and, and they'll send you another one, you know, if, if, if the design gets jacked up. But I think it's a good option to have. And, you know, do your research. Go and Google print-on-demand uh, merchandise sites. And, you know, there, there's plenty out there to choose from, like Zazzle and Gallery and, you know, Custom Ink and, and, and what have you. So I think it's a good option. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think it – the end of the day, you know, merchandise is such an important factor in a band's overall existence that spending some time researching all of these things and finding the best solution for each and every point that we've covered is going to go a long way towards the sustainability of your band as you grow. That's right, Mike. That's totally right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever-so-challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final thoughts? Thanks again uh, for having me today. Really fun topic, and I look forward to covering more. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Loop. And I'd like to encourage you guys out there to find us on iTunes and rate and review the show. That really helps us as we try to continue to grow this show. Feel free to share it with a friend as well. And lastly, if you are interested in more on what I have to say about the business of being an artist, you can head over to OuterLoopCoaching.com, plug in your email, and you'll get an direct download link to my ebook which is a music management primer the business of being an artist until next week thank you very much thanks everybody peace hi this is chad nicefield and this is justin press we're the host of making waves the ship rock podcast a part of the sound talent media podcast network we're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment every week we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist we'll have lots of special guests along the way so tune in every week your stateroom is available every monday morning so welcome aboard This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.